Jesus. Did you read those words? I've got them here, I think. It says, have I got it here? No, this is all funny stuff. Oh, that's the one? Okay. Okay. This is good. That's not what I sang, though. (laughs) (laughs) I must have been singing in tongues. Ah. It says, uh, when the nations ache from violence. That's not the same one, is it? Oh, we know our world needs Jesus. We know our world needs freedom. So give us eyes to see the hurting and the broken, that our lives align with every word you say. The world needs Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we've, uh, we've come to the altar today with arms lifted high to you as you desire to embrace us. And I ask God as we, as we do, as we come and look at your word, and I'm going to ask Father God by your spirit, Holy Spirit, you will take the word. Because the word in itself are just words on a page. But the word and the spirit together bring life. And I ask Holy Spirit right now that you will bring life to the words that are spoken and that life would grow in us. Amen. Amen. I was uh, praying this week actually with um, a few people and uh, somebody said something and I just, this isn't part of my message, okay? This is just the pre right? But I thought I needed to share it with you. Someone made a comment and they said about ploughing the ground. I think it was Rob Cox was praying at the time and he talked about ploughing the ground. And as I was continuing to pray with um, the others in the room, it hit me that God was saying, I've been ploughing the ground. See, we think God wants to plough our hearts and he does. He wants to open us and he wants to, to plough through so he can put seeds of who he is in it. But I sense that God was saying, and I say this to you as a church, that God has been ploughing our soil here at Calamunda Church of Christ. I don't know if you've seen what a plough does, but the ground is hard generally, and that plough disc, which uh, is, is quite sharp, will hit the dirt and it cracks it open. And as it cracks it open, the plough shoots along the dirt and it turns it over. And as it turns it over, it exposes the ground underneath so that seeds can be planted. And I had this amazing thought. God has been ploughing Kalamunda Church of Christ. Why? Because he wants to put new seeds in. You know, we want to see people come to know Jesus. That's what that song is. We know that the world needs freedom. That's what that song was about. We know that the world is broken. That's what the discussion's happening right across Perth at the moment and some exciting conversations going on by the church in our city about the brokenness. But you see, I think the thing that holds back any new growth is that there's a hardness over the surface where we've just gone on with life and we've got used to things and and the surface you know it's interesting because when they plowed if a piece of land has had lots of traffic what happens it gets harder and harder and harder and that becomes a pathway and notice that the seeds when they fell on the pathway got eaten up and I think that in the church life and in some of our Christian walks and Steve Hall is one of those that that 
that we've been walking, walking life and we've been walking the world and we've been walking over our soil and it's got harder and harder. And God's saying, I want to put new seeds in, but I can't put new seeds in until I turn it over again so that the seeds can grow. So I don't know what's been happening in your life, but if you're, you've been part of, of here or even just in your own personal walk and you think that, you know what, things are hurting. It's actually not nice down here. It's, it's actually been uncomfortable and I keep finding more stuff deep down inside me that ain't good. Well, it's probably because God's saying, I'm about to take you into a new season. You're on the edge of a new season. You see, the beginning of every season of life comes the turning of the soil. Because you can't plant a new crop in hardened ground. Did you hear that? You can't put a new crop in hardened ground. You cannot put a new seed of God in hardened hearts. You can't do it. If you want to know more of the scripture, great, awesome. That's the word of God, they're seeds. But they won't go into a hard heart. They only go into a hard head. That's as far as it goes. But if you want it to go into our hearts, then guess what? You've got to put the plow in. It's got to turn the soil over. And I say that today because I felt this morning when I was praying, God's saying to me, I want you to tell people that if you're going through a time, God's probably turning over some soil so he can put some new seeds in. And you hear people say, I want more teaching. You say, no, 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 you need more plowing. You need more plowing of the heart. Because you see, the seed of the word of God cannot go into hardened hearts. Cannot go into hardened hearts. God cannot bring a revival to this city. He cannot bring a revival. We will not see people come to know Jesus out of Alpha unless we've got a ground ready to plant the new seeds in. You see, we've got Alpha starting tomorrow. There's a whole bunch of people coming and I'm believing for salvation. But those salvation new seeds have to be planted somewhere and they can't be planted in hard soil. So God's been going. I've been plowing, I've been plowing you up, guys. I'm plowing you up for a new harvest. Young people, you're going to see a harvest happen next weekend with disruptors. But you see, God's got to plant that new harvest in a healthy soil. There's going to be a whole bunch of young people here next Sunday because they're, they're going to bring disruptors conference into the, into the service here. Guess what? There are a whole bunch of new seeds and those seeds need to be planted in good soil. God's turning over the soil so he can put new seeds in. Father God, I want to pray that word right now that you would take that deep into us that we would see that you are turning over the soil because you're taking us into a new season. And what we've seen as being difficult has been significant for you. And I thank you for that because you're, you're, you're going deep because you want to put new seeds in. But we're praying for new seeds to grow in this place. We're praying that there will be people saved, but not just saved, but can grow in a healthy church that's had its soil turned over so that the seeds can grow deep into your church. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been uh, talking about, um, we've been talking, that's, that's just, that's not even the sermon. That's just a little extra. You can pay me for that one. That's just a tip. Um, We've been talking about goals. Now, don't know about you, but I've discovered something. That God keeps shifting the goalposts. In your life, the goalposts are always shifting. When I was young, I um, was working and I had a pretty good job. And I discovered that my income 
was mine, right? I could go to the shop in those days, a trendy shop called Roger David's. That was trendy. That was trendy then, right? And is it trendy still? Oh, good. So I went to Roger David's just across the road from where my work was, and I would walk in with my paycheck, and I'd go, I don't care what it costs. I want one of those. 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 And I spent all my wages, and it's okay because it was mine, and I was the only one I had to worry about. And if I couldn't afford to do something tomorrow, it's okay. I lived at home. My parents paid for my food and my housing. It was okay. I could waste my money. But you see, I got married to a beautiful lady. Fortunately, my beautiful lady was a phys ed teacher from Carnarvon, so she didn't require a lot. (laughs) But she does. She's beautiful. But I discovered something. I had to share my money. And I now was responsible for a rent and food and petrol. And if we didn't have enough money, it was two of us now that were impacted. But then we had kids. And then I had to share my wage with more. And it kind of got, all of a sudden, the goalpost kept changing. And then it got to a stage where Jaden came along. Now I'm broke. (laughs) It's not true. He's actually quite good. (laughs) But you see, the goalpost kept changing. Some of you are in life right now and your goalposts have just changed. I met with a friend of mine who became, took a, a redundancy um, this week, and I met with him, and we were just talking about how life is different now. The goalpost just changed. You see, I used to go to work. But not only has his goalpost changed with that, he also lost his wife a couple of weeks ago. So all of a sudden, his whole world is different. The goalpost had just changed. And, it's, and, and he's struggling with, so what is this about? My goalpost had just changed. I wonder if your goalposts have changed over the last 12 months. Maybe you've changed jobs. Maybe you're getting engaged to get married. That's so cool. Maybe you had kids. I don't know, but maybe circumstances, all of a sudden, the goalposts have shifted. And when a goalpost shifts in a game, you've got to refocus, right? You've got to say, well, someone shift the goals. Where's, where's Mr. Phipps? Is Mr. Phipps here? Not that Phipps, old Phipps, Adrian, not that Phipps. There's lots of Phipps around, bunch of Phipps. Adrian, Adrian, I believe, is, I discovered a little while ago that he is big into dad jokes, right? He's the dad joke man, right? Dads have a responsibility to come up with the daggy jokes, like I'm thirsty, that's okay because I'm Friday, you know, that sort of stuff, right? Now, being a good dad... I play cricket out the back sometimes with my kids. What does a dad do when he's playing cricket and he's the the wicket keeper? What does he do? He shifts the wickets, right? Just when they're not looking. Dads have to do that. We pick up the wickets and we shift them, right? So that they don't know that the wickets are now over here and we get them out. That's what dads do. We shift the goalposts. You need to know where your goalposts are. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I want to suggest to you that becoming a Christian shifts your goalposts. Look at, look at the Bible. Look right through the stories. Moses, he had his goalposts shifted a couple of times, especially when a bush starts talking to him. That could shift anybody's goalposts. Or then there was, there was 
Paul, Saul, who was on his way, his goalposts were, we're going to kill these Christians. He was actually a wealthy man. He was a man of respect. He was a man of honour. He was a man of position. He had his whole army and he was out to take out the Christians. And all of a sudden, he got a flash of light. His eyes got blinded and his goalposts were different. And all of a sudden, now he's working with the Christians. Now he's working for the other side. Goalposts have just changed. What about you? When you became a believer, your goalposts changed. You see, it's, it's more than just, I'm a believer now, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven, I go to church on Sundays and I, I tip church a little bit of money. That, it's, it's actually more than that. You see, your whole life has a new direction. When you are transformed, not just your heart and your mind transformed, but your purpose in life is transformed. And we need to know what that is. So what is it? What is, where's that, that, that goalpost that just changed? I remember when I was working for um, Coles Meyer and uh, I was uh, there and every year I did my own tax, right? It's tax time. I did my own tax. It's pretty easy. You get that form out. You fit out lots of words and lots of numbers and you get your tax return. Well, all the other managers in Kmart were saying, we got these big returns. And I went, wow, how did you get a big return? I mean, we're on the same sort of income, blah, blah, blah. And they go, Steve, you need to see an accountant. And I said, well, probably, but I could do it myself. But if you could see this particular accountant, he would actually give you a fantastic return. I went, well, it sounds pretty good. So I discussed it with Margie and we got all our bits of paper and I made an appointment and I went and saw this particular accountant. I can't tell you his name. He doesn't go to church. I went to see him in Williton. I sat in his office and he sat behind the desk and he brought out this, this tax form and he said, now, I'm going to ask you a question and I only want you to say yes or no. Now, listen to the questions, Steve. I'm not asking you the question, do you have this? I'm asking, do you want me to put it down on the form? Right. Now, do you have a computer? Well, I do, but I just use it for computer games. No, 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 no. no. Didn't listen to the question, Steve. Do you have a computer? Well, I do have a computer, but I don't use it for... No, the question is, do you have a computer? Well, I do. Do you, do you have a jacket? Well, I do, but we don't wear jackets at Kmart. I mean, we just have a shirt and a tie. No, no, no. Do you have a jacket? Do you get it dry cleaned? Well, we do, but I don't actually use it for... And all the time he's asking these questions, and I finally got to the place, I said, hey, mate, hang on a minute. You need to know I only want to be totally honest because I'm a Christian, right? I only want to be totally honest. I don't want that anything else but what's, what's true. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, why did you come to me? I said, because you're a tax man. So I've come to you. He said, oh, okay. So he said, rightio, so you don't want this, you don't want that, you don't want that. There wasn't a lot left. A couple of weeks later, he sent my tax return to me. My goodness, he got the blueprint and he put everything down. You should have seen my tax return. It was huge. I rang him up. I said, mate, that's not the truth. And he said, but it's okay. It's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. You see, all my mates were using a tax man that probably wasn't quite a good tax man because he was actually trying to put me into the mould of what all my other friends were. 
You see, my goalposts were different. Your goalposts are different to the world's goalposts. They're different. And we need to find out what those differences are. Because if you become a Christian and you know Jesus, our goalposts are going in a different place. They've been shifted. But we better know where they are. I want us to read a scripture today. And if you would open this scripture with me, I'd like to have a look at Philippians 3, which we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. Kelly spoke on it and Dave spoke on it. And I want to have a look a little bit deeper into it. Because in this scripture, Paul, who is writing this from a prison, this is his second time in a Roman prison. He has been flogged. He has been just about on the edge of death. He knows that this is probably going to be the last battle. This time has been the hardest time in prison that he's ever had. More, more persecution, more beatings, a lot more pain, and this is probably going to be his last, his last call, right? And he writes a letter to the church in Philippi. He sends it by a guy who himself has been extremely sick and on the edge of life as well. So here's two people who are basically struggling with life and all the oppositions to it, and yet he writes this scripture. So get into the context, helps you have compassion. Get into context, here's someone's story, you get compassion. Thank you. Where is, where is Caitlin? Caitlin, I'm not that hard. You sound, maybe you sound like an old grumpy old man, made you cry in the office. No, but, but let me tell you, that was powerful. And thank you. Because see, in our story is where God moves. It's in our stories that God moves. It's in the story of Paul where this scripture takes its real context and therefore takes its meaning. So here he is. He's in a prison. He's not in a great place. And yet he says this, Philippians 3.12. Read it with me. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but... I press on. Everyone say, press on. I press on. You're going to see in this scripture, there's a couple of ons, movements that Paul talks about. He hasn't made it, but he says, I press on. He's in prison. He is locked up. He has been beaten. He has been, and he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed, um, possesses, Yes, me. Excuse me. Um, no, dear, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. And receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And this is an interesting thought. Why would he chuck that little bit in there? Why not why he would chuck? Think about that. I'm not going to preach on that, but it was interesting that there's he's, he's challenging the maturity. He says, let all who are not mentally or physically mature. He's talking about spiritual maturity. Consider what, there's a whole thing, message on spiritual maturity. But that all who are 
spiritually mature, agree on these things. If you disagree on some points, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Whoa, you're in prison, mate. Hmm. Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again, with tears in my eyes. Caitlin, you're not the only one who had leaky eyes. (laughs) With tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross. Breaks his heart. They head for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Jesus lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Goalposts are shifted in Paul's life. I reckon they started a shift when he saw Stephen stoned. But his, his, his focus has shifted and he's crying out to us now saying, here is the goalpost. Now, I've got something here. There's a ball. Now, who can throw a ball over this side? Come on, Greg. I reckon, Greg, you can throw a ball, right? Okay, Greg, got that? No, 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 no. Oh, she is eager. Right, stand up. Now, I want you to throw the ball over to the person I've chosen over this side. You ready? Can you throw it that far? Okay. So, to, to the person that's going to catch it, to the person on the other side, do you know who it is? Okay, we'll throw it. Did it... How do you know who it was? You guessed. Uh, how often does God say, here's, here, here's your life, man, and I want you to take it, and I want you to take it to where? Do you know what the goal is? Do you know where you, as a Christian person, walking every day with Jesus, what's the objective? What's the goal? Where am I heading? If you don't know where the goal is, you're just going to ditch the ball and hope that someone gets it. It's like you're going to get the arrow and just shoot it somewhere and just hope the dickens it's going to get the target, but I just don't know where the target is. What's the goal? What's the goal that Paul's talking about? What's the goal? I want to suggest to you that today, as I speak, in uh, the message it says this, I am off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Today, my message is keep your focus. Keep your focus. Church, we need to keep our focus because too often we lose our focus. Would you keep your focus? You see, to keep your focus, you first of all got to know where you're going to throw that ball. You've got to know where you're going to throw this life, this Christian walk you've got. So the first thing that Paul says is this. He says, but I press to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. 
In other words, I am, I am going to, to make this my objective. I am going to press on to the perfection to which Christ has given me. I am going to press on. How many of you are pressing on to perfection? Dave did a great message yesterday, last week, sorry. Great message about how do, what do we value and how do we actually press on? How do we move on? What is the goal that we're moving on to? If we don't know the goal, we're not going to be able to reach it. So he also said this, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This is, this is, the, this is the objective. A few weeks ago, Kelly spoke, and she said, what is, the, what is the goal? What are we reaching for? What is the goal that we as Christians should be heading for? Because if we don't know the goal, how do we keep the focus? Well, I think in her message could be summed up in what Paul said one chapter before. And in Philippians 2, it says this. Let me read this to you. I haven't got it up on the screen, so you're just going to have to listen. But listen to this. Let this go into your spirit. This is the goal. This is what we should be heading towards. Are you ready? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Question mark. And comfort from his love? Question mark. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Question mark. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Question mark. He's got these questions. This is, the, this is the questions that we need to be asking ourselves. How are we traveling towards the goal? Well, they're the, they're the questions we have to ask. Is there encouragement from belonging to Christ? Do you feel encouraged from that? Any comfort from his love? Do you feel that comfort of his love? Any fellowship together with the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Question mark. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. See, this is how you answer that question. Then make me happy. This is the therefore. Make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together. That is what we're aiming towards. Working together, not the phone that's ringing. Agree wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look at only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as that of Christ. That's what we're working towards. Are you struggling with some of that? That's okay, because God's saying, this is the new goal. This is the plow. This is the turning over of the soil. This is what we're heading towards. Steve, this is what we're heading towards in your life. Know where you're heading. As uh, Kelly said, you know, our hearts are actually about sacrifice. It's about sacrificing for the sake of of others, laying down like Christ laid down, washing people's feet as Jesus washed people's feet. That's the objective. That's what we should be heading to. That's different to the world. That's a different goalpost to what I used to live by. I just want to get to heaven, Jesus. And he's saying, no, that's not the goal. The goal is about living like I did. And you're going to get hurt and you're going to be unfairly treated. Guess what? That's how I lived. 
You're going to have people that are going to criticise you. They did me too. That's how I live. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's where he wants us to go. The second thing he says, so we need to keep that focus. That's what we're heading to, church. That's where you and I, that's what I'm heading to. That's why I need to keep getting back. We don't have a quiet time every morning to be religious. We have a quiet time every morning to get us focused. Get us focused back onto Jesus. We come to church on Sunday not because we have to, but because we've got to refocus. We've got to get our attention back again because the world gets us distracted. We come back and come back. That's why we gather together. That's why we spur each other on. Why? Because we've got to come back to the focus. It's about Jesus. It's about living a sacrificial life. Then he goes on this. He says, the next thing he says is, don't look back. Focus forward. Focus forward. Now, who's got the ball over there? Who's got my ball? Oh, cool. Can you stand up with the ball? Sorry, what's, you are, Aiden, Aiden, come mate, can you, can you, you reckon you could ditch that ball? Not at me, right? Now, I want you to ditch it at, uh, do you reckon you could throw that far to Greg over here? Greg, stand up, okay? Now, ditch it. Oh, you're not, mate, you can play for Australia. Right, now, now, stand up, Greg. Come on, Greg, you did good just now. Now, now you're going to throw it back to Aiden, right? But I want you to face that way. Face that way. Yeah, yeah, now, I want you to throw it to him. Well, however, but you can't face that way. You've got to face that way. This is dangerous, eh? This is like, this is nearly as bad as... Who got it? Mate, you missed it again! Sorry, Greg. But what was he doing? He was looking the wrong way. You can say, thanks, Aiden. He was looking the wrong way. We cannot shoot for Jesus if we're looking in the past. You cannot go forward if you're looking in the rear vision mirror. You're going to have an accident. It's going to happen. You've got to look to where you're going. You've got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. If we look back, we'll lose it. And Paul says, I won't look back. I'm going to focus on. I'm going to go towards the goal. I'm not looking back. Too often, we look to the past. Too often, we're looking in the past. We're saying, yeah, but I'm not this. Yes, you are, because you're a new creation. Oh, I'm, I'm a bad sinner. No, you're not. You're a new creation. You've been forgiven. Jesus has made you new. He's been washed clean. But I keep doing this wrong. No, come on. You're a new person. Go forward. Don't keep living in the past. Too often we live in the past. And Paul's saying, church, don't live in the past. Jesus came. You've been forgiven. I'm a person who can easily get distracted. You might notice and if I'm at work and I'm having to do that horrible stuff like sitting at computers and writing emails, which I don't like doing, or uh, having to read something, which I can easily get distracted. And if you ring me up and say, hey, Steve, I'm down the coffee shop. The response generally is, I'm really, I'll be there in five minutes. I can be easily distracted. Distractions are not hard for me. And the devil is out to distract us all the time. His greatest attack on you is distraction. And how does he distract you? Remember what you did back then? Remember your relationship back then? Remember you were told you were no good? Remember those words that have been spoken? Did you really do that well? He's distracting you with that stuff all the time. And Paul says, don't live in the distractions 
My son uh, on Sunday, uh, the other day, I was met with him and uh, we were having a, um, a meal down in Bustleton. And he's a farmer, as many of you know, and he's been on the farm. And he said, oh, I've had some backpackers come in, Dad. We, uh, we went online and got some backpackers to come and do some work. I said, oh, brilliant. What would they do? He said, oh, I picked up rocks. I said, oh, that's exciting. He said, that's why we got the backpackers to do it. So they came along. And they went around the paddock picking up rocks. And I said, oh, that must be a, it's a new paddock that you're opening up. He said, oh, no, 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 no. That paddock's been there. We've been putting seed in that for years. I said, well, what are rocks doing there? This is what he said. He said, every year when we sow the seed and the plough goes in and the little seed goes in after it, it digs in the dirt and it pulls up new rocks. But how many every year it pulls up more rocks and the rocks sit on the surface and when those rocks sit on the surface when the harvester comes through and it gets caught up in the machine it stuffs the machine up so we've got to get rid of the rocks so we get backpackers to come in and they pick up the rocks and they put them in piles here's what happens church god is sowing seeds in us he plows up he pulls the rocks to the surface and what do we do we leave the rocks there and we all trip over it and someone comes along and go oh i can see your rock and you go i'm sorry and instead of shifting it we trip over it instead of shifting it we we worship it instead of shifting it we make it as a reminder of our past but see, Jesus comes along and says, I want to shift the rocks out so we can actually do a harvest here. And that's why we're all here. Because guess what? Rocks are going to be exposed. And you're going to see each other's ugliness. And when you see each other's ugliness, we can do two things. We can trip over it. Or we can help shift it out the way. Because he wants to plant new seeds. You see, distractions, the past, will stop us from moving forward. And God wants us to do something about that. Ever watch the basketball? What do they do when the person's going to shoot the shot? Everybody stamps their feet and they scream and they shout. When the opposition goes for a shot, we're trying our hardest to distract them. At the footy behind the goals, what's the, what you do? Everyone's moving and they're doing the flags and they're trying to distract the guy kicking the ball so he can't get it through the pins. And the devil's trying to distract us all the time. There is a distraction happening in your life right now. And it's got you bound up because you can't move forward. You're bound up with the distractions of the past. You're bound up with the distractions of what's happening right now. You're bound up with that stuff. And God's saying, I want to stop that because we're going to move forward. And I can't move forward while you live with the binding that you're in right now. Maybe you're worried about finances. Jesus said, don't worry about that. What? Seek first my kingdom. Maybe you're worried about, about family relationships. And he says, get that to me. Don't get bound up in that because that will, that will consume your mind and you won't end up coming for the goal. There's some rocks that have been exposed. That's okay. Let's move them to one side. Let's move them to one side. Because we're heading for the goal. The last thing he says here, and I'm going to finish on this. He says, focus on your progress. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We must hold on to the progress that we've already made. The word hold on there is the same as what he used earlier on when he said, stand firm. Stand firm. 
Stand firm on what I've already given you. Hold on to the progress that you've made. You've already traveled a little way. You're already heading towards the goal. Keep your ground. Don't let the enemy take your ground back. Don't go back to where you were. Don't go back to the old days. Don't go back to how it used to be. You're moving forward. It's a new season. It's a new goal. It's a new possibilities. But I can't, if I've got to stand with the progress I've already made. I've traveled my Christian journey for a long time and sometimes I wonder how far I've actually got until I stop. And I think, you know what, I've come a long way. But I've got a long way to go. But I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand on what I have done so that I can move on to where I'm going to be. Stand. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Corinthians 4.8. I found this statement a few weeks ago, and it stuck in my head. It goes like this. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That is why it's called the present. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift, which is why it's called the present. I love that comment. Today is your gift. It's your present. Where you are right now with Jesus is a gift. And we're walking into the mystery. There's a new goal for you in your relationship with Jesus. It's right there. There's a new goal for you in being a a person that will see others come to know Jesus. It's there. There's a new opportunity for new seeds in your life to grow. It's there. Don't look at the past. Don't live in the past. Look to where you're going. Seek first Him. Let's stand together. I really felt strongly today I wanted to to pray for people today because I do believe that the enemy has been getting us bound up. We're carrying some stuff that we don't need to carry. There's some stuff in us that needs to be healed and it needs to be let go of and we need to be refreshed. Maybe you've been dealing with some stuff. And and I'm going to say this carefully right now. Right? Say this very carefully. Because I'm not saying this to any particular person except for maybe Steve Hall. But we open ourselves up. I open myself up, myself up for spiritual deception and confusion. And the enemy loves it. And he decides to live there. And sometimes we've got to go, those words which I have picked up. Those words which have become me need to be broken over my life. Because the enemy wants to bind you up with words of the past, with events of the past, with activities of the past, with stuff that you've messed around with in the past. You've given room for the enemy to hold on to. And I believe that he would say to us today, we can break you free of that. Because there's a new destination. There's a new goal. 
And I want to ask you today, if we're going to come in to come to the altar, I'm going to invite you to come forward for prayer today. If you found that you've been stagnant for too long, or maybe God's saying it's because you've been allowing other stuff to hold you back. Maybe you haven't moved on with God. Maybe you've got, the ground has become so hard from years of trampling that it, you're saying, I'm happy to be, have that broken up. Maybe you're hanging on to some bundies that are on the surface. And God said, let's shift those bundies so that we can actually grow something here. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Not because there's anything special about my prayer, but because I really believe that God wants us to pray for each other. He wants us to be a church that is a healthy place for new seeds to grow. And the question is, would we allow God to make us healthy so that he can grow something new? Father God, as we come into this time now, I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister in this place. That we would not, we would move away from the stuff that's been binding us up and come before you. And say, Spirit of God, move in me. Move through me. Holy Spirit, would you come and break us free of those things that have, that have made us uh, just stop where we are. And I ask God that you will, you will do something really significant in this place right now. We're heading for the goal, Lord. We're heading for you. We're heading for a relationship with you that is powerful. We want to head into a place where our, our spirit is so full of you that others are impacted. We want to head for that goal where people will see the love and the kindness and the gentleness and the healing of God through your life, through our lives and through this church so that people would come to know you. Because we live in a world where people need Jesus. We live in a world that people need freedom. We want to grab hold of that. We want to experience that ourselves so that we can offer it to a world that is broken. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God, let's worship church. Oh, what a saviour.